Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And for this toil, struggling, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen, my, seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, and whom, whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of, the fa of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted, built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Lord God, as we come to your word and as, and as we reflect on our value of rootedness, we pray what St. Paul prayed in, for the Colossians is that you would root us in you, that you would establish us in yourself, and you would build us up in Christ, that we might be knit together in love, and that we might receive the fullness of the riches of the mystery of Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again. My name is Chris Myers. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you could be with us this morning. Today we are wrapping up our series on our vision and values, and we're going to be talking about our value of rootedness, and I'm going to chat for a while, just kind of unpack the value, and then Dave and I are going to have a conversation about practically what we see this value, how it's going to work out in the coming season, um, so stay tuned for that. If you will, please flip in the back of your bulletin to page 15, and you'll see uh, printed there our vision statement and our values statements. And just by way of reminder that the vision of St. Bart's is to connect the people of East Dallas with God and his people so that we might behold God and become more like him. St. Bart's is about a people, the people of East Dallas, and it's about a place, the place of East Dallas. And the value of rootedness speaks to that reality, that God has called us as a community to a particular time and a particular place to be a blessing to each other in this place that we call East Dallas. And if you look at the value of rootedness itself, it says, planted and established by God in Christ, we are called to East Dallas, to its people and its neighborhoods, rooted in the soil of East Dallas and nourished by the three life-giving streams of scripture, spirit, and sacrament, we expect the slow work of growth together. As we've talked about with all these values, each one of these values begins with God. God has acted on our behalf definitively. That is the nature of creation. It is the nature of redemption, that creation is the act of God speaking light into darkness, bringing everything out of nothing. God initiated 
and creation emerge. God acts and we respond. Redemption is the same. God in Christ comes to us while we were yet sinners. Christ Jesus died for us. We weren't seeking him. He came and sought us. Everything begins with God. So the value of rootedness is about God's action of planting us in a seed in the particular soil of East Dallas and planting us to establish us and root us down here. And I hope you notice that the language of this value echoes the reading from Colossians, Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That when God establishes his community, his desire is that the roots of that community would go deep. You might remember in the parable of the sower, when Jesus talks about the four different kinds of seed, one kind of seed bursts up quickly, but then it fades away almost immediately because it has no roots. Roots are important. Being rooted in him, not in our own agenda or our own imaginings, but in him and established in him. So the language of scripture saturates this value. And Paul's prayer for the Colossians is my prayer and our prayer for this community. At the beginning of Colossians, Paul prays that we would bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. A tree, a fruit tree, has deep roots so that it might bear abundant and great and delightful fruit. That's the point of rootedness, is that we might bear fruit. So the question about rootedness is what makes this possible? How is it possible for us as a community to be rooted and established in Christ? And I wanna get at this question by talking about a church that my wife and I once visited in Cape Cod when we were on an anniversary trip a few years ago. There's a church in Cape Cod and I've talked about it before. I've talked about it a lot because it's an amazing place. It's called Church of the Transfiguration. It's a Benedictine community. So it's an intentional community. And yes, there are monks and nuns and things like that, but there are also just regular Joes like us who live in intentional community around this church. And we went into this church and I'd never been in a church in the United States that had actual frescoes. So that was delightful. They'd flown somebody over from Italy to put frescoes on the wall. But the thing that most struck me about the space is the center aisle which was a hand-laid mosaic of the tree of life. And the tree of life, as it was populated, in, it was populated by the flora and fauna of their place, the birds that were native there, the flowers that were native there. And up along that tree, there were three medallions. And after the service, my wife and I were given a tour by one of the guys that lives in the community. He was an architect who, lived in, who worked in Boston, but lived in this community. And as we were walking down the center aisle, we saw these three medallions. And I asked him about the medallions. And each of the medallions represented one of the vows that the people took in this community. So to be part of this community, you would take certain vows. And that's par for the course. If you're becoming a monastic, you've probably heard, you know, vows of poverty, vows of chastity. But their vows were interesting. One vow was the vow of stability. And the image of the medallion was the rock that was in the harbor that you could see from the point of the island that the church was on. And he told me that that rock represents to them the stability of their community. And the value for them is that to be in a particular place in a particular time and commit to it makes something possible. And what it makes possible is what was on the second medallion, 
which was a butterfly coming out of a cocoon. And that butterfly coming out of the cocoon in this mosaic represented the vow of transformation. So the vow of stability and the vow of transformation. And what this man told us is that the first one makes the second one possible. That as you commit to a place and to a people and stabilize yourself as you are established, to use the language of our passage today, then the kind of transformation that Christ wants to work in us is possible. A rock and a butterfly, they seem very far apart from each other as images, and stability might seem very far away from our own experience. This is a counterintuitive insight, that it is stability that makes a certain kind of transformation possible. It's an audacious idea that a certain kind of commitment to particular people in a particular place can make this certain kind of transformation possible. And notice that I said a certain kind of transformation. It's not generic transformation. It's not what we might imagine for ourselves, what we might want to change ourselves into, but what God's intention for us is. And that is encapsulated in our vision statement that we would behold God and that we would become more like him. God's intention for his people is that we would look like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18, the verse that sort of undergirds these values and this vision, where Paul says that we with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord, and in beholding that glory, we are being transformed by one degree of glory into the next. That God's intention for us is that we would become like Jesus. In this church, the Church of the Transfiguration, over their altar space, there's a dome. And on that dome is the icon of Jesus being transfigured. Jesus, fully God, fully man, the one who comes to us and shows us the face of God, the one who comes to us and shows us the fullness of what it means to be human, and beholding him, we are transformed. That's what rootedness is about, is taking your stand in a particular place with particular people and believing that that stability makes that kind of transformation possible because God uses our circumstances to bring about our transformation. And likewise, it's Paul's insistence in this passage from Colossians that it is the context of community in, in which we bear fruit. It is the context of community in which we are knit together in love to use his language. And he also speaks of maturity, that we would grow up into the fullness of what God has for us. And this maturity is for others, that we would be a blessing to others. This fruitfulness is for others, for the nourishment, for the abundance, for the delight of others. And as Paul talks about this, he gives us three images from those key verses. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. The three images of rootedness, of being built up and being established. That rootedness is about hiddenness. You don't see the roots of a tree. You can't, typically. That hiddenness speaks to slow growth. You can't watch a tree grow. You don't have enough time or patience to do it, but it's happening. Tree is growing. 
So rooted, this rootedness speaks to hiddenness, it speaks to slow growth. There's a novel that won the Pulitzer Prize a few years ago, The Overstory by Richard Powers. It's a beautiful and heartbreaking novel about trees. It's mostly about trees. And by focusing on trees, he gives us a different scale of time because the scale of time with trees is very different than our scale of time. There's a slowness to it. And as we look at trees and think about their roots and the fruit that comes from them, we start to think seasonally, which is that beautiful song we sang about seasons, the seed to the sequoia, that takes time. It takes time. And it takes movement through multiple cycles of seasons to bring about that reality. But part of this book, the overstory, is he starts to talk about the interconnectedness of roots in a forest. And scientists are beginning to think in this way that the root systems are something like a neural network and that the trees are not independent of each other but interdependent upon each other. If you've ever seen aspens, you know this to be the case. An individual aspen is actually under the ground connected to all the other aspens. That's a vision of community. We stand, yes, as individuals, but we don't stand alone. We are connected, interconnected with others. Our roots are entangled for better or worse with other people. <laughs> Sometimes it's not the best thing. Sometimes it's hard, but it's the way that it is. So that image of rootedness is about the hidden network and the hidden interdependentness that we have upon each other. And then the other two images of being built up and established are images that go together. You can't have one without the other. You can have a beautiful building, but if it doesn't have a firm foundation, if it's not established, then over time, it will crumble. You need to be established. Think about the relationship of the word of establish and stability. They're the same root. To be established is to be made stable, to be made firm, to have something to build on that will last. A beautiful building on a beautiful foundation will endure. A beautiful building on a terrible, terrible foundation will not endure. And Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians of the foundation that Christ has laid in dying for us and that we should build on that foundation with worthy materials, with gold and silver, things that can endure. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us to be rooted? The practical outworking of all of this is how do we do community together? How do we create an environment where there can be real depth and real growth? The word community actually pulls together a lot of our values. Authenticity and hospitality are what make community possible. Without open hearts and open homes, without a space to be together, no community is possible. That's hospitality. But without us coming into that space in an honest and open-hearted way, no community is possible. Authenticity and hospitality make community possible. And it is rootedness that creates the conditions for real growth and change, for transformation, the vow of stability, feeding the vow of transformation. And likewise, community can create an environment for wholeness and healing. As has come out in the last couple of weeks, when, last week when my wife Morgan and, and Julia so beautifully talked about wholeness, one of the themes that I drew from that 
is that we need each other. It doesn't happen in isolation, our healing. Our healing. Dave talked about that too when we talked about physical healing. That God uses us as instruments of healing in other people's lives. And even mystery makes an appearance in community because any given local community is a particular expression of the mystery of the body of Christ, of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church that always takes particular form within a particular place with particular people. So rootedness sort of binds everything together. So I'm not asking anybody to make a vow today. There's no uh, vow of stability or transformation printed in the back of the bulletin. So don't, don't worry about that. But I am asking you to entertain the possibility that stability is actually what makes possible the thing that you really want. Depth of connection and transformation into the image of God. I'm asking you to consider the possibility of living in an open-hearted way toward the place that God has you and the people that God has surrounded you with for whatever time or for whatever uh, duration you happen to be there. God can call people away I'm not saying you have to stay here forever, but I am saying that while you're here, let's live in an open-hearted way. Let's live with authenticity and hospitality. So I am asking you to consider the possibility that living in this way makes our true transformation possible. There's a a song, it's a a Bethel song called I Will Rise. And I, uh, during COVID, during the darkest parts of lockdown, it was a song that gave me a lot of hope. And it's a song about resurrection. It's a song about being sown as a seed. And it's about hiddenness. And there's a verse in this song that says, underground is where life begins. My heart will rejoice in hiddenness. After the burial, there's a resurrection. Your will be done in me. Oh, let my roots go deep. Jesus said, unless the seed falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it falls into the earth and dies, it will bear much fruit. Let my roots go deep. Let our roots go deep. Community can become its own idol. It can become something that we worship instead of God. And that utopian impulse can actually be our undoing sometimes because the community that we find will always disappoint us. This side of glory, all community is imperfect. We will fail each other. And hopefully we believe the gospel enough to ask for forgiveness and to forgive each other and to move forward with love and intention. And I wanna finish with just a brief thought from the gospel passage, blind Bartimaeus. There's a crowd around him. He wants to be healed. He's crying out to the son of David to be healed. And the crowd says, shut up. Jesus has no time for you. And he keeps crying out. He keeps crying out. And Jesus turns to the crowd and says, call him. He speaks to the crowd. That's important. He speaks to the crowd and says, call him. And look what happens. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. That's what community is for and that's what community can do is that we speak that encouragement in each other's life. Get up, take heart, he is calling you. The one that can actually make a difference, Jesus, is calling you to himself.
conform you to his image to, to love you, to know you, and to grow you up into what he imagines you to be. Jesus says, call him to us, to those people around who are not yet part of our community who will be. Jesus says, call them. And our job is to say to each other and to the world and to our neighborhood specifically, get up, take heart. He is calling you. Let us pray. Lord God, we want to be rooted and established in you. We want to be built up. We also know that community is difficult because it requires us to live in an open-hearted way. It requires a vulnerability that means we might get hurt. And I just wanna pause and recognize the ways in which we might've been hurt by community, hurt by the community in the church. But Lord, we wanna believe the gospel. We want to believe that there's grace and mercy and healing for us. And we also want to be a place where transformation is possible. So we ask, Lord, that you would work that in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Dave, you want to come up? So we're just going to have a quick chat around uh, some of the things that we've been discussing with each other and with, the com- with you guys about what community life in a practical way looks like at St. Bart's. Um, in the coming weeks and days. Um, so one of the things that Dave did when he came on was these listening groups, and you may have been part of them over the summer. And Dave, why don't you just reflect on kind of what you heard in those groups? Well, good morning. Um, it was wonderful to be invited to so many homes over the summer um, and just to listen to see, A, what people were hungry for given the cultural moment we're in, with COVID-19 and, and, you know, how church has changed somewhat and how it hasn't changed. And then, you know, with the transition to hear some of people's stories and then share some of mine. And the overarching theme was a heart, a deep heartfelt desire for authentic, deep community. And a recognition that COVID made that difficult because of the isolation and and everything else that was going on. And there was an undercurrent of maybe pastorates aren't the right way, question mark. Now, I've never been part of a pastorate at St. Bart's. I, uh, just because when we arrived, they weren't really in circulation, but uh, you've led a a pastorate and there've been others that have uh, worked to great effect. And I think part of why we're doing this is just to recognize that things have changed. And things, I think many people in different parts of our culture across the board have a heightened sense of what is worth their time and what isn't. So that's, that's yeah. kind of... Yeah, and just for some background, for those of you who aren't familiar, pastorates are our way of doing community. And one nice thing, but it's a double-edged sword about that word, is nobody knows what it means. It's not like a small group or community group or whatever. So we could kind of make it whatever we want it to be. And the idea behind the pastorate is it would be a mid-sized group of 20 to 30 people. And they would meet every other week and would have easy sort of ins and easy sort of outs. And that's what we're hearing from you guys is that that dynamic of the mid-sized group with sort of easy ins and easy outs is not actually 
maybe the best model going forward for the kind of depth that we heard from, that people are craving that we heard from you guys? I mean, I, I hear mid-sized group, 20 people, I'm thinking, we gotta clean up the house before and after, and um, my cleaning skills leave a lot to be desired. So, you know, the prospect of that for some is a bit of a challenge because of the sheer volume of people and not everyone has a home that might be able to invite 20 to 30 people to it, so. Yeah, and that's, we wanna expand the possibility of hosting and I, that's what we ran into with pastorates is that because of how they had been articulated in the past, it, it felt like it was more of a limitation. Like, well, what about my kids? Or what about um, if I wanna go deeper with people, how do I foster those kinds of things? So part of what we wanna do is just be honest about that and say community you know, doesn't have to be one way. Um, there's lots of ways to do it, and we want to be able to be nimble and respond to what we're hearing from people and try to do community in a, in a more fruitful way. And part of that is it was a real privilege to be able to meet with, I think, about 70 adults, part of this congregation, <clears throat> and hear their input and the love for the vision of the church, which is uh, what a noble vision to see East Dallas knit together in love. And practically, how do we do that? Well, um, the vision, you have it here on the back of your bulletin, if you want to look at it so you know we're not making this up, is to literally connect people of East Dallas with God and his people, as Chris was saying. And so we are going to, um, over the next, we're signaling a turn. Um, <clears throat> good leadership, I was taught, listens and is not slow to act, but moves with purpose. And so we're signaling a turn this morning that things are going to, in some ways, not change, and in some ways, change. What's not gonna change is we're gonna continue, as Chris has said, and as we've looked at the last six weeks, be a community that has a high value of hospitality. Um, <clears throat> the name pastorate is going to no longer be the name. We're gonna lift a name out of the vision and we're gonna call it, call them, what, Chris? Have you forgotten? I did. <laughs> Connect groups? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was the most underwhelming anticlimactic <laughs> moment of the pandemic. But as Chris so beautifully announced with a drum roll, we're gonna call them Connect groups because that's what we long to do is we're inviting you to um, connect with each other. That image of the aspen tree is exactly what we're aiming for. Now, what does that look like? How do you get involved? We're planning to have some information meetings in the next couple weeks where people can indicate interest of either hosting. We're not gonna call them leaders. We're gonna call them connect group hosts. Um, and, um, and we are going to have a meeting next Sunday after the service to talk through some of the nuts and bolts of that. And really, if people want to start meeting before Christmas, great, but the, the goal is to launch these in the new year. Yeah. So practically, if you're interested in hosting, we'll have a meeting immediately after the service next week in one of the adult ed uh, spaces, or if you're just interested in hearing about what we're going to do, come to that meeting. And then practically, as we do announcements in a moment, 
if you want to be part of one of these groups, you already know that, or if you already have an inclination, I'm interested in learning about hosting, you can put that on the connection card and put it in the, the basket as it goes, goes by. We, if Chris did his job right, um, you'll have lots of questions. And we're not afraid of questions here at St. Bart's. We welcome them. And because we think in the pursuit of those questions, we find we meet the Lord Jesus. Some people may want to continue meeting in a group of 20 to 30 and go for it. We're going to call that a connect group. Some people may want to begin to meet in a group of 8 to 10. Go for it. We call that a connect group. And so it's, it's not going to be we're suddenly wielding the axe and cutting stuff up. Instead, we're just saying we want to create an ecosystem where people can thrive. And so that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do our best to do. And we will make mistakes. And so the Canadian in me says this, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a preemptive apology for what we get wrong. Uh, but if we all, you know, we, we all do our bit, it's going to be glorious. Anything else you'd say, Chris? No, I, to be honest, our, you know, our pastorate met throughout COVID in some form or another in backyards or in a smaller group. And that was one thing that got us through, Morgan and I, through that season. And that's something that we want to be available to anybody who wants it. Um, because it's absolutely vital that we connect not just with God, but with God's people. We need each other. Amen.